Hey, would you stand this morning for the reading of God's Word? Uh, if you got your Bible this morning, open them to James chapter 1, uh, starting at verse 26. Why you're turning there, and uh, I want to introduce you to Miss Lindy Jarnigan. You already know her, but she's going to be the care porter director and representative for the Grace Place, working with Kyle. So uh, she's got a huge heart for orphan care. So uh, thank you, Lindy, for helping be a champion of this ministry uh, in such a practical way. Uh, Pastor has been in a series, we've been in a series this last month called Better Together. I don't know about you, but have you been excited and inspired during this time? The first couple weeks he talked about what it means to really care uh, within the context of our church for our people and what it means to have community uh, within the context of our church through groups. And uh, last week, uh, what an incredible, incredible week as we talked about taking community outside of the four walls of this church into our community, places like Arlington and Grand Prairie and Mansfield and Kennedale and, and other surrounding areas and how we can, in a practical way, bring the community of Christ and bring this light to people. I, I love how Kyle said that light doesn't do any good in the light. It really works in the dark. And so bringing the, the gospel message out into our community, into dark places, uh, what an exciting time. Well, today um, we're going to continue that message. And today... You are participating for the first time the Grace Place Church in something that we're calling Stand Sunday. And uh, you'll learn a little bit more about that as we go. Here we go. The Bible says this. If you claim to be religious but don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself. And your religion is worthless. Somebody say worthless. worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your incredible word. God, your word promises to breathe life, God, into dying places. And Lord, as your word would breathe life into your church today, God, that that word would go through us and breathe life into dying places in our community. We love you and we thank you for your awesome word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. There are 30,000 children that are in the foster care system today in the state of Texas. There are half a million children that are in the U.S. that's in the foster care system. And I said, who would stand with me today for these kids? That day, Nedra Wade, she stood and raised her hand and she said, Pastor, I will. And then another person stood and said, I will. And another stood and said, I will. And another stood and said, I will. Well, after the process started in our church and family after family, within three months, 39 children were placed in families in our church. What if there was more families waiting for children than children waiting for families? So we called Child Protective Services. And they said, if that happens in any county, that will be the first ever.
celebrating Stan Sunday early. Uh, we learned about it uh, not too long ago, and, and the vision was so powerful, and God impacted pastor and our staff's heart so greatly uh, that we said, hey, we can't wait. We already got stuff on the calendar at that point. And we said, well, we can't wait till next year. We need to do this now because it is part of the heart of God. You know, last week, pastor said some really important things. He said that we've done such a great job at sending the gospel uh, out overseas, and we are doing an incredible job. We're supporting over 120 missionaries every single month or organizations that are sending the gospel out. But we all understand that we are not called to just do missions around the world. We're called to do missions in our world. We're called to do missions in our own backyard. You know, and a couple years ago, uh, we partnered with uh, Delia Burwise as God started revealing this heart to us in his heart for our community. And uh, we took community outreach to another level in our church. And we began to implement uh, what we felt like the God, that God was doing, uh, wanted to do in our church, through our church, in our community. And today is another day uh, where he is speaking again into that space in our church. You know, this church, until the day that Jesus comes back, will continue to make adjustments to be the church that Jesus dreamed of, to be the bride that he desired that was going to reach the world that he so deeply loves, just like you're going to be making adjustments in your life to become more like Christ and more like the bride that he wants you to be. True? And so because of that, today is one of those days of adjustment for the grace place. As you participate Uh, with churches during this season uh, all over Texas and even outside of Texas to be a part of Stand Sunday. This movement is not an Assemblies of God thing. This movement is a God thing. Uh, People are standing all over the place outside of just this denomination. It's crossing denominational boundaries. It's crossing state boundaries. Did you know that God is also, though, using our denomination and many other powerful leaders outside of our denomination and in our state to help fulfill God's heart for his people? Why stand Sunday, you might ask? Well, I want to give you an answer for why stand Sunday, and you already heard a little bit about it, and I think it's important that we're going to continue to hear about it. Number one in your notes, stand Sunday because it's the mandate of the church. Somebody say mandate. You know, the local church is mandated to do very few things. Now, we get busy doing a lot of things, and these things are good things. Uh, These things are great things to continue to grow believers, but the church is actually mandated to do very few things. Here's one of the things we're mandated to do. You're all very familiar with Matthew 28 and 19. Go out in all the world and make what? Disciples of all who? Nations. And as a part of that great commission, he asks us to equip, to teach, to baptize, and send people out to do his work and his will, sharing that gospel message. Now, we do that at this church in a lot of different ways. And of course, sure, we can be better at it, but we do really well at that. The church is mandated to do very few things. The other thing that the church is mandated to do is to pray. God says, my house will be called a house of prayer. How many of you know what the theme for last year was, 2016? A year of what? 
prayer. We've implemented prayer in different places in our church. We make sure that every Sunday when we gather, we gather to pray. We gather to pray for the needs of our community, the needs of our nation, your needs, the needs of your family members, because we know that God loves to hear the heart of his people, and he loves to respond. We also know that through our C groups, one of the important values of gathering together is that we take some time at the end of every community fellowship time with your group, and you do what? You pray. Why? Because it's the mandate of the church. The other thing that the church is mandated to do is care for its people. How many of you know we care in this church? Our mission statement is caring people, caring for people. And we do that through community. And so it's a powerful way that we do that. Another mandate of the church, one of the things that we see that the New Testament church does is this, is that they break bread together every time they meet. What does breaking bread represent? It represents communion. It represents never forgetting the message of the gospel. It represents never forgetting that what Jesus did on the cross for you and I gave us access to be everything he called us to be. I love so much that the gospel does that. I love that Jesus did that. He actually overcame for us because we could never overcome. I want you to think about that for a minute. I want you to think about everything that you have ever struggled with in your life. I want you to think about every pain. I want you to think about every hurt, everything in your past, every hindrance in your life. You could never overcome it on your own. It's absolutely impossible. That's why Jesus sent, that's why God sent his son Jesus as the overcomer. And that's what communion is about. It's about reminding us because we often forget and we start thinking that we're good. And we got to realize that the only reason we're good is because he's so good. The other mandate that we see in the local church, and we read it today in our scripture, is the mandate is to care for widows and to care for orphans. We're going to zero in on what it means to care for orphans in this church. How many of you know that we can do a much better job at caring for orphans in this church. Why? Because it is a part of our mandate. James was actually really strong on this. Here's what James said. He said, hey, church, don't fool yourself. If you think you got this Christian thing down really good, don't fool yourself. Just because you can dress like the part and just because you can look like the part and just because you can sound like the part, doesn't mean that you are being the part. It's about walking the walk, James says. He says it's not about talking the talk, it's about walking the walk. And James goes on to say, those things are good. We ought to represent Christ really well, but we ought to represent Christ in doing. He says this, he says, prove it, prove it. You look the part, you sound like the part, I want you to prove that you're the part. He said, prove your genuine love for Christ by caring for orphans in distress. He says, refuse to let the world corrupt you. I think it's so important. It's an important message for us to understand that we must refuse to let the world corrupt us. Why? Because the world is difficult. If you open your door and you step into society and you read the stories and you see what's really going on, It could really corrupt us. It could really taint our heart. And you know what it would want us to do? Turn a blind eye to the need. Corrupt our heart by causing us to turn a blind eye to a part of our society that you and I wish did not exist. Many of you have heard the stories. You've seen the stories. They're sad. They're heartbreaking. Maybe you have been a part of the story. 
Maybe you have been a part of caring for somebody else who could not care well for their child. Maybe you've seen a child be removed from a home before. You've seen the tears and the unconsolable heartbreak that can happen when somebody's removed from their home. Maybe you've seen an unconsolable heart of a mother or a father who lost their kids because they could not maintain what it means to be a parent. This is tough stuff. Why would we want to turn a blind eye to it? Because we're bad and because we're heartless? No, because it's tough stuff. I believe that the enemy is at a full-out attack to the local church and to the people who should be caring for orphans to cause us to turn a blind eye to the needs in our community. And he does it by corrupting our hearts and make us think things like, I could never do enough. Make us think things like, I don't have the emotional or mental or spiritual capacity to care for somebody in need like that. I think he gets us thinking really selfishly, thinking that, well, I might mess my home up if I get involved. I might make things uncomfortable for myself if I really get involved. Caring for the hurting and the broken is the heart of God. It will interrupt your schedule when you get a care portal request and there's an urgent need. It will interrupt your wallet. It will interrupt your free time. It will interrupt your time at the gym. It will interrupt your mountain biking time and your road biking time. That's what I love to do. It will interrupt. It will tax you emotionally. But we noticed today that it's the mandate of the local church. Let's talk quickly about the problem. Kyle talked a little bit about this, but I want to emphasize it this morning. The church has always, by the way, had the mandate to care for orphans. And did you know, some of you who've been around for a while, you're a little more seasoned than people like I, myself, you know that the church has always had a huge history in caring for orphans. But somewhere in the 1970s, the tides started to change because in 1974, Congress acted and launched what you and I know as CPS because the need was so great in the state. CPS was launched to prevent, identify, and treat child abuse and neglect. And as the state came on the scene and began to take a larger role, I think it was just the plan of the enemy to turn things around. The church slowly started to back away in their role. And the state became the leading actor in the picture of caring for orphans. But here's the problem. It is not the state's mandate to care for orphans. We see in God's word that it is the mandate of the church to care for orphans. I want to say that again. It is not the state's mandate to care for orphans. It is the church's mandate to care for orphans. Can you say amen to that? We know the problem. We don't need to spend time talking about it. Let's talk about the solution. The solution in your notes. Here's the solution. We saw in the opening video Bishop Blake in Brown County in the DFW area. In Brown County, they adopted or they they fostered and brought in every single child that needed a home in their county. When you talk about the local church stepping up to the plate at that level, wow, wow. You know, this number um, uh, in these counties is a revolving number. It's ever-changing as new cases are open and cases are closed. I want you to think about it for a moment. In our backyard, we're just going to call it Tarrant County. Our backyard's a little bigger than that, but in our backyard, Tarrant County, Right now, there are 890 kids in foster care in our very own backyard. 225 of these kids are awaiting adoption. 
They're young kids. They're nine years old. They're 12 years old. They say between nine and 12, that's like the pucker point for these kids. Usually by nine and 12, the percentages drastically drop of these kids finding a forever home. They end up being shipped around from foster home to foster home because most families don't want to adopt children that are 9, 10, 11, 12, and especially into their teens. I'm not saying this to make anybody feel guilty. I'm just revealing the stats to you today. This may sound like a gigantic task. It may sound really, really overwhelming, but here's the good news about Tarrant County. It's not that there's over 800 800 kids in, in the state that need to be cared for and need to find a home. Here's the great news, that there are 1,600 churches in Tarrant County. 1,600 churches, people. Do you realize that it takes less, just a little bit more than half of those churches in Tarrant County to participate and step up to the plate and stand for orphan care in their very own backyard? Do you see how easy it can take care of that problem just like that? I mean, think about it. It's just a church just like this, taking in one child. One child, that's it bringing one child into the home of this church. And if we had a little over 50% of churches in Tarrant County do this, it would fix the problem. There's another 1,000 cases right now uh, being viewed by CPS to find out and to determine if homes are good places for kids to be in that could potentially be removed. This is largely where Care Portal plays a huge, huge role in this, is the word prevention, When we engage in Care Portal, we literally get the opportunity to bring light into dark places and prevent families from being broken up. We get to prevent kids maybe from going, maybe leaving mom and dad, but going to a grandma. We get to bring a crib to a grandma and a bed to a grandma so kids don't have to go into a home. I want you to think about all of your favorite things. Think about it for a minute. Your favorite watch that you like to wear every day your favorite pillow that you like to sleep with every night. I want you to think about your favorite toy that you love, your iPad. I want you to think about your favorite things, and you probably got a laundry list of them. And if you can take that list down and shrink it all the way down, I want you to think about the favorite people in your life, your grandma, your grandpa, my, my mother and father-in-law, my best friend Joey and Stacy. But now I want you to Remove yourself from being an adult and being able to control those relationships and turn yourself into a three-year-old child. And I want you to take all those things away and pick you up and move you away from everything that you know into a home of strangers. I want you to think about how difficult it is for a child to acclimate in that situation. It's not a guarantee that that child's going to be brought into a good home. It's not a guarantee that that child is going to be brought into a home where the gospel is preached. But when the local church decides to stand together, what a great impact we can make. Somebody say the church. The church. The church. It's our mandate. We are God's solution to this broken part of our society. I want you to think about what an impact we can make. I want you to think about this. You can really make an impact in someone's life by impacting their wallet. I know this, the, the transition of that illustration I just gave you, and now we're talking about money. It doesn't make any sense. But I want you to think about it. If somebody dropped $50,000 into your pocket, that would get your attention, wouldn't it? It's like, hello, you could take that money. Some of you might be able to pay off your homes, pay off your debt, pay off that car payment. I want you to think about it. No more 
$1,500 mortgage payment. No more $300 car payment. No more $150, $200 minimum payment to your, to your debt that you owe. And suddenly, now you have a cash flow of, of nearly $2,000 Every month in your bank account. How many of you know that that would get your attention? You'd be pretty grateful for the person who did that for you. I want you to think about it. Orphan care, just in this county, they spend a lot of money to take care of these kids. I want you to think about it. Just the parents who are fostering in this, in this county alone, they pay uh, $28 at a minimum per child that is in care. So every single day, Tarrant County is paying over $24,000 to care for the kids in foster care. Every month, they're taking, so we multiply that by 30 days, right? $47,000 a month, Tarrant County spends to care for orphans. Every single year, Tarrant County spends over $8 million going out to foster families alone to care for the orphans in our community. What would happen in our community? Because the church is always saying, I want to make an impact in my community. I want to get in my community and do for my community that nobody else is doing. But could you imagine the attention that the local church could get if she stepped up to the plate and these 1,600 churches in Tarrant County began to do something and all of a sudden that $8 million disappeared out of the budget of Tarrant County? How many of you know that would get their attention? When you have somebody's attention... You have a platform. When you have a platform, you get to use your voice. When the local church gets to use her voice speaking into this part of our community, the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to shine like you will never, ever, ever believe. Can you imagine that if this didn't just happen in Tarrant County? Go ahead, you clap. But I want you to think about it. Think about it. What if this happened all over the United States? I think that it could be possible that if the local church stepped up in a massive way in this capacity, this could usher in the greatest revival America has ever seen. I want you to think about that. Think about the amount of money that the states would no longer leave to care for orphans because the church stepped up to the plate. Think about the influence that the local church would gain because of this. The next thing in your notes, why orphan care? Because it's my story. Somebody say, it's my story. Listen, in your notes, you have all been personally impacted by the story of orphan care. Why? Well, the Bible describes it like this in Ephesians 1.5. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing himself, uh, bringing, bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure to adopt you and I as orphans. I want you to think about life before Jesus. I want you to think about how you thought about yourself, how you felt about yourself, how you thought and felt about your dreams and your future, and what happened when he adopted you into his family. And I want you to imagine now the things that you dream about now and the things that you think about that you never did before, before you were adopted in the family of God. It is oftentimes a part of our testimony where, where we have been changed in our past and our history, it's our testimony that often feels some of the greatest works that we ever do on this planet for the gospel because God loves to use our story, and it is all our story. The next thing in your notes, personally impacting. How are you personally impacting this call to care for orphans? This is a hard question. It's a tough question. What would happen today if you asked God, God, 
what do you want me to do to personally impact this thing called orphan care? Many of you know the story of my wife and I. If you don't, um, uh, Krista had lost a baby during pregnancy two different times. And, and many of you have a story just like that. Well, it's through that journey Krista and I uh, have begun to consider other ways of parenting. And it had been a question on the table many, many times before, uh, before we lost these two different children in our, uh, through pregnancy. It had been on the table. We had worked with uh, several uh, uh, ministry for a lot of years in Phoenix and some in Texas, uh, caring for kids in foster care and being big brothers and being sisters is a part of our life. It always, always has been as we kind of matured and, and grew up in ministry. <clears throat> I can remember a time where um, she was six months pregnant about two years ago, and we went into the doctor for a routine visit, and they were searching for the heartbeat, and they couldn't find it. I'll tell you what. Many of you have a story just like that. It's, it's heartbreaking because you are dreaming and thinking about the potential that God has on, on their life. And this particular, uh, this last time, we knew that it was a baby boy and people were prophesying words over him and, and God was beginning to just cause us to dream about his life and about his future. We named him Joshua Hudson. And we dreamed about him and, and considered what God was gonna do in his future And the heartbreak was a little unconsolable. Some of you know exactly what that feels like. Well, through this journey, Chris and I began to pray and consider now how would we begin to parent. And this whole adoption thing came back on the table for Chris and I. And it was staring us right in the face. And as we began to consider options and consider what God could do and talk to different agencies, all of a sudden, we discovered this thing called foster to adopt. And we discovered that we could do something in our own backyard to help kids who are in need of a home. God quickly began to reveal to us during this process. He told us, he said, adopting a child will never fix your broken heart. We had to go through a journey before he revealed that to us. But here's what he said. And I believe that he's saying it to many of you today. Adoption won't fix your broken heart if you can't have a child. But what adoption will do is it will show you where my heart breaks. It will show you where my heart breaks. And God will put his heart inside of you. So as of literally last Tuesday, Chris and I have completed all the training. Our home is ready now to take in two kids uh, to, to be parents for kids who are looking for parents. And it just all happens that the timing has all winded down to this moment today. This is not something that we manufactured or we tried to make happen for this. I just think that it's the heart of God that he is planting in this church so that we can make a difference. And I don't know how, but many of you have stories just like myself, and God's gonna use your story to impact people. Here's what I believe God is gonna do in this church, and here's what I believe he's asking us to do. First of all, I wanna give you a little quote. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. God is asking us to stand and pray as a church. It's Stand Sunday. He's asking us to stand and give, and he's asking us to stand and go. Our takeaway today is orphan care is our mandate, and it will take the church to accomplish. Watch this video.
There was a baby girl who was born with fetal alcohol syndrome and also was considered a drug baby. And because of those reasons, CPS took her and her older brother from her birth parents at that time and placed them in foster care. Uh, during that time that they were in foster care, the parents did the necessary things that they needed to do in order to get back those kids and that baby girl and her brother went back to live with their birth parents at that time. A little while later, the birth mother was arrested and the birth father was found drunk in the home and so CPS decided it wasn't a fit home for uh, the girl and her brother and then took them and placed them in another foster family. This foster family did not want little kids or babies and with that came neglect. Uh, the neglect was found when they were taken for a night stay with another family and that family went to change the diaper of that little girl and found it had not been changed in a long time and there was skin that was being peeled off as the diaper was being changed. Because of that neglect, that little girl and her brother were able to stay with that Christian family for a longer period of time. And when that girl turned two years old, her and her brothers were adopted by this Christian family. And with that came healing and love, and not just love from those parents, but they were also able to show the love of Christ. At some point growing up, my adoptive parents, my mom and dad, told me this story. This is my story. I was in three homes by the age of two years old and many children don't have the opportunity that I had. Many kids in foster care are moved from home to home until they age out at age 18. There are currently 996 children in foster care in Tarrant County alone who are waiting for a mom and dad, a family to claim them and to adopt them. Today I am standing up and telling my story in hopes that other Christian families will stand with me to love a child. My dream is that every child will have the same opportunities that I had, to be cared for by a Christian foster family or even adopted by a Christian family. Maybe they will marry an amazing guy or girl. Maybe they will become a pastor, a doctor, an educator, or maybe an advocate for orphan care like me. Thank you, Lindy, for being brave, <clears throat> sharing your story today. Well, <clears throat> I told you this was hard, didn't I? Yeah. It's hard. But I'll tell you what. If we all just do our little part, it's amazing what God can do. I want you to tell, I want to tell you what we're going to ask you to do this morning. We're going to ask you to stand. And by standing, here are the three things we're going to ask you to stand and do with us. One, stand and pray. Stand and pray for the orphans in our own community, the orphans in our backyard. Stand and pray for the orphan care ministries. The next thing I want to ask you to do is I want you to stand and give. Pastor's going to come in a moment and tell you about an incredible ministry. Uh, our district is... Uh, 
taking on called Family First. It's a large umbrella of many, many other ministries. Uh, my wife and I are a part of the leadership team for that and are going to be an advocate for this ministry. And the next thing we're going to do is we're going to ask you to stand and go. Stand and go. Your story may not be like Chris and I's story. Not everyone's going to foster. Not everyone's going to adopt. But you can go and bring something to somebody in need through Care Portal. You can go and go to Home Depot and buy some supplies if you're a little too nervous to go and give somebody to somebody who can go. Maybe going for you is becoming a babysitter, a licensed babysitter for other foster families who just need some backup and support. So this is the altar call today. Who will stand with me today? Will you stand? Who will stand with me today? I believe that our church today is stepping into a part of the heart of God that is going to help us to fulfill the mandate of the church and the unique calling of this church, caring people, caring for people. Can I pray for you this morning? God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for every family here today. God, who is saying, I will stand and pray. I'll stand and give. There may be people here today who don't have a lot to give, but they're going to stand and give $5. And we're going to be willing, God, to stand and go. God, we're willing to say yes to whatever you ask us to do in regards to orphan care. We know it's going to be hard. But God, you have perfectly equipped us to touch the dark places of this world. And that's what we commit to do. In Jesus' name, amen.